This week in KMA Land, KMA Land congressional reps condemn Russian invasion of Ukraine. Montgomery County Solar Ordinance clears final hurdle. Lather over laundromat marks Shen Council hearing. Clorinda Council hears FMTC reconnect pitch. And Essex residents mourn the loss of Russell Hilker. Hi, Mike Peterson. Developments in Eastern Europe caught the attention of KMA Land residents this week as Russia's feared invasion of Ukraine became reality. President Biden Thursday announced a new set of sanctions against Russia in response to the country's attack against Ukraine. Biden's latest announcement followed the original set of sanctions aimed at cutting off Russia's financial resources and in condemnation against Russian President Vladimir Putin's decision to launch the attack. Iowa Congresswoman Cindy Axney commented on the Ukrainian situation in an interview on KMA's Morning Line program aired Friday morning. Axne says Putin may be surprised by the response from the U.S. and its allies. He's chosen to launch a premeditated war of his choice that could bring catastrophic loss uh, and human suffering, and, and that is their, going to be their responsibility. So here's the deal. The United States and our allies and partners will make sure that Russia pays a steep price. We're already uh, down that road. The West Des Moines Democrat says the president is correct to work with NATO allies in dealing with Putin's aggression. You know, the president joined a, a unanimous voice of NATO leaders um, to tell Putin directly that this action isn't tolerated. So I think we, we're in the spot we need to be. We surely would like to see, have seen diplomacy do more. But if Putin won't listen to our words, then he's going to have to listen to our actions of us and our allies. And and we're ready to go. Axney also dismissed criticism from Republican leaders that Biden didn't do enough to stop Putin and Russia from invading Ukraine. Russia is weaker than I think most people would think. The types of sanctions that we put on are massive, way more than anything that's ever been done in the past. And I think between this, shoring up uh, Ukraine, being prepared with troops and you know, coming together as a full force with our allies is the way to go. Northern Missouri Congressman Sam Graves issued a statement Thursday in reaction to the Ukrainian crisis. The Tokyo Republican condemned Putin's actions, saying, quote, the free people of the world stand with the citizens of Ukraine in the face of Vladimir Putin's unprovoked invasion. We must support our NATO allies in the region and immediately act together to enact the strongest possible sanctions to cripple Putin's ability to make war. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, meanwhile, called on President Biden to reduce global energy dependence on Russia. Ernst proposed the Energy Security Cooperation with Allied Partners in Europe Act, or ESCAPE. Among other things, the bill directed the U.S. permanent representative with NATO to work with NATO member states to address energy security for the organization's members and authorized mandatory U.S. sanctions on the development of Russian energy pipeline projects, such as Nord Stream 2. Regulations governing future solar energy projects are set in Montgomery County, but not after one final debate this week. By unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved the third and final reading of the solar amendment to the county's zoning ordinance, putting the regulations into effect. The supervisors took action after hearing final comments from local residents calling for revisions in the document. Vicki Rossander of Stanton is a member of the county's Planning and Zoning Commission. Rossander responded to comments at previous meetings that proposed changes to the amendment would negatively impact the county's ability to attract solar projects. She says nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing that was proposed should have or would have impeded the development of utility-scale solar farms in our county. 
What the recommended changes would have done was to ensure that when utility-sized solar farms were constructed in our county, they would have been done in a reasonable and responsible way that protects everyone involved, the landowners where the solar farm is to be built, the neighbors surrounding the solar farm, and the county and its assets such as county roads and bridges. None of these protective recommendations will now happen as the Planning and Zoning Board refused to consider them. As a result, Rassander says the county is now stuck with a, quote, poorly crafted and poorly written ordinance. Elizabeth Warren of Red Oak says she supports solar energy, but she requested that the supervisors ask the county's Planning and Zoning Board to correct grammar and spelling errors in the document and review its content. It's hard to change the rules after the game begins. It's better to have the rules in place before the game starts. A visit to a school playground will remind you of this when the kids start arguing about what's fair. Other speakers questioned whether the amendment approved by the Planning and Zoning Board last October is the final document placed before the supervisors. Supervisor Mike Olson motioned to approve the third reading. Olson says he took issue with the pushback surrounding the amendment. I believe that the Zoning and Planning Board and Barry have done the very best job they possibly could with the material that they had at that time to form and, and bring forward a, a comprehensive solar ordinance. We've been talking about this now for two months, and I believe we've gone through the motions. Uh, sure, there are, there are comments and there, there are, are di- different ideas that will come up in the next months, years. Uh, probably never stop. It'll probably be an ongoing thing. But to stop this and argue about this, I feel is ridiculous. Supervisor Donna Robinson agreed with Olson's comments. I just feel like we need to just maybe step back and try to figure out the best move forward for uh, everyone. And I feel like I have confidence in the Board of Adjustment and, and the Planning and Zoning, and I have confidence in our zoning administrator, our engineer, and our entire board of supervisors moving forward. We're trying to do the right thing. Supervisors Chair Mark Peterson and Supervisors Randy Cooper and Charlotte Schmidt also voted in favor of the amendment, which is effective upon publication. Considerable debate over a proposed laundromat in downtown Shenandoah generated some suds at Tuesday night's Shenandoah City Council meeting. By a 3-2 vote, the council approved the sale of city-owned property at 601 West Sheridan Avenue to Sorensen Auto for $2,500. Sorensen officials proposed to construct a 1,500 to 1,800 square foot facility as the site of a new laundromat. Action was taken following a public hearing in which both council members and residents aired comments and raised questions about the proposed business. Councilwoman Tony Graham and Councilman Kim Swank voted against the proposed sale. Swank relayed concerns expressed by citizens regarding the laundromat. There's a lot of people that aren't excited about having a laundromat on Main Street. There's a lot of people that like the green space there for some reason. I don't know. They've asked questions on what type of building it's going to be made out of. Will it blend in with our high high buildings there? Um, they have a concern about that. Rhea, meanwhile, says residents she's talked to questioned whether the city will get any return from a business placed at that location versus the expense of tearing the former Radio Shack building down. 
That structure, along with the former Nishnaland Seed Building, were demolished in 2015 through refinancing under essential corporate purpose methods. Sorensen shop manager Kathy Silvestri addressed several concerns from the public, including one concerning possible loitering problems with a laundromat downtown. I think people misconstrue loitering. I think a lot of people just see it as a negative thing, but nobody ever sees it as a positive. You want people to loiter. They go to a laundromat, they have nothing but time on their hands. They're going to go outside, they're going to go to the sidewalk, they're going to look across the street and be like, oh my God, there's Donut Stop, or there's Ladies Apparel, or oh my God, I didn't know they had a shoe store here. They will find something to do. It is not just about them washing clothes, it's about them looking at all the other businesses in the community. Sylvestri added that the area around the business would well lit. While it would not be open 24 hours a day, a attendant would be on duty when the business is open. Richard Jones, however, expressed concerns that the downtown area's aesthetics would be compromised by a laundromat. We are 100% pro-business for the downtown area of Shenandoah, yet have concerns that the laundromat may not be the best fit for this particular area. An additional laundromat may very well be needed and even required for this city. We just question the viability of the current proposed location as being the premier place for this proposed business. Councilman John Eric Bratner was among three council members voting in favor of the land sale. Bratner says the city will never recoup the former Radio Shack structures and demolition costs unless something is placed on the tax rolls. He added the city is getting nothing out of taking care of empty space at that location. I don't know that Main Street is ideally the place. We'd love to have retail business. We'd love to have every business down there full of retail. That's not happening. And we have a business that's looking at coming and, and building from scratch and getting putting something back on the tax rule. While there are concerns, while I agree parking is going to be an issue, while there's safety issues, um, I'd like to think that we could all come together and, how do I say this appropriately, not chase business out of downtown Shenandoah either. Councilwoman Rita Gibson and Cindy Arman also voted in favor. Likewise, Mayor Roger McQueen voiced his support for the project. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning, McQueen says having a business at that location is better than the current empty space. That is a little bit of a green space. It's not a big area. You know, it's 150 by 75 roughly. They came to us, you know, looking for something. I thought it was a great idea to put it uh, on that lot. That lot's no, not doing anything for the city as far as we're just keeping it mowed and maintained. Uh, and I know it is a green space, but it's uh, also available for a business to be on. McQueen is among supporters who hope the laundromat will help lure customers to other downtown businesses. You know, I think it'll be a benefit. I think people will realize that uh, maybe the stigma of people using the laundromat, you know, but I, I think these, this is a service to the city that we absolutely need. Uh, a lot of people express concern about we need a laundromat in town. And so uh, by putting it here, I think it'll benefit the downtown area way more than what, what people are anticipating. Likewise, McQueen voiced support for placing six handicapped parking spaces along West Sheridan Avenue near downtown businesses. Council members approved the request by the same three to two vote. Plans for a major broadband initiative in Clarinda and three other communities were outlined at this week's Clarinda City Council meeting. Kevin Cabbage, CEO of Farmers Mutual Telephone Company, discussed his company's plans for a $37 million broadband internet project. 
FMTC is applying for a share of the $250 million available through the USDA's Reconnect 3 program. Cabbage says his company seeks federal grants and loans to provide affordable high-speed Internet services to customers in not only Clarinda and underserved rural areas surrounding it, but also Red Oak, Bedford, and Gravity. Cabbage says the goal is to cover remaining portions of Page County not currently served by other telephone companies' broadband services. We're really looking at the eastern side of, of Page County. Since we're already in the rural Bethesda area, we're really just going straight south from Bethesda, approximately a couple miles south of Highway 2, and then going east over to Taylor County. So when I say Page County, that's kind of what I have in mind uh, because the other independents are have plans to build out the, the western side of, of Page County. FMTC seeks a 50-50 split between federal grants and loans. Approximately $16 million is needed to cover customers inside and outside Clarenda, or about 44% of the total project. Cabot says the company may need financial assistance in the community in a what-if scenario in which the project's cost would exceed the funding built in for cost overruns. Clarenda City Administrator Gary McLarnon says he hopes funding for the federal infrastructure bill approved in Congress and signed by President Biden could provide the city's contribution to cover any cost overruns. The city of Essex lost one of its leading citizens this week. Funeral services take place Tuesday for Russell Hilker, who died Sunday at the age of 87. Hilker served as Essex School Superintendent from 1970 to 2002. He then won a special election to succeed the late Chuck Kinney as the city's mayor in 2007. In a 2013 interview with KMA News during his re-election campaign, Hilker talked about why he enjoyed the mayor's job. I enjoy my work. I enjoy working with the city employees. I enjoy seeing the improvements in the city. So I guess I feel a little bit of payback. The town of Essex has been good to me and my family for the past 40-some years, and if I can do anything to serve the town of Essex, in my retiring years, I guess I'd rather do that than just sit at home and do nothing. Hilker also talked about the keys to being a good city official. The main thing you have to be in a case like uh, ours is that you have to be patient. Uh, without some patience and without the willing to spend some time doing some legwork, digging into backgrounds and going out to talk to people, uh, you're not going to get anything done by yourself. During his tenure as mayor, Hilker was a regular participant in the city's Labor Day parade. In a 2011 interview, Hilker said he understood why the parade was so important to the community. It's a celebration. Our people are proud of their community, and they kind of dress up the community before Labor Day. And uh, we just enjoy having all the people come out and having a good time. Hilker finally retired as mayor at the end of 2017. He also served the community in other capacities, such as chair of Page County's Emergency Management Commission Agency and E911 board during the long, arduous process of addressing the county's emergency communications issues. When the new digital radio system finally went online in January 2019, Hilker described the experience as like being in a political arena. It was so frustrating because... Everybody involved knew that we had a problem and wanted to get it solved. But we just didn't have the right leadership to start with from outside to give us an idea what we should do. And it took a long time to get to that point where we did have some good leadership and good information came in. And once that happened, 
It hasn't really been that bad. Funeral services for Russell Hilker are Tuesday morning at 10.30 at St. John's Lutheran Church in Essex with burial with full military rites in the Essex Cemetery. The Hackett Livingston Funeral Home in Shenandoah is in charge of arrangements. Page County officials gave their blessing this week to a bridge repair project east of Essex. During its regular meeting Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors unanimously approved a 28E agreement with the City of Essex concerning a bridge replacement on 150th Street. County Engineer J.D. King says discussions of finding a way to fund the bridge replacement have been ongoing for some time now. King read from a letter from the Iowa Department of Transportation sent to him by Essex Mayor Calvin Kinney, which states nearly half of the costs will be reimbursed. The below bridge in your city is ranked high enough to rank high enough on the city bridge candidate list to receive funding for replacement. That's the bridge on 150th Street. And bridges funded with this fund are eligible for 100% reimbursement of construction costs up to a million dollars. King says the cost to construct the 454-foot by 30-foot bridge is estimated at around $2.3 million. The county would cover the remaining costs. However, the funds would only be available for fiscal year 2023. King says the replacement would nearly double the length and extend the width by 10 feet from the current bridge and adds the extra width should greatly benefit the residents who live and utilize the over 80-year-old bridge. The uh, ag producers I've spoken with out there, they're, they're looking forward to a wider bridge. Yes. You, know, you can see this is the, the older one was built in 1937, so the vehicles running around the roads in Bates County then are substantially different now. Additionally, King says this wouldn't be the first time the county has worked with the city to fund a bridge replacement. Uh, the bridge on East Washington Street, east directly east to Clarinda here, it touches you know the west abutments on Clarinda. Clarinda did the same thing, wrote a letter, got on the list, knock back a million dollars there so that uh, the bottom line it reduces the, the drain on our bridge our bridge fund he also noted the 28e agreement is similar to the one used with Braddyville several years ago king estimates demolition of the old bridge would begin in the late fall of 2022 foundation work during the winter with the project to be finished by the summer of 2023 Page County is addressing a secondary road improvement need after receiving a residence petition. During its regular meeting this week, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a rock petition put forth by Dave Linky. County Engineer J.D. King says Linky had approached the county about a petition a few months ago addressing 202nd Street, a dirt road near the intersection of 156th Street or M56. King says the road had a short stub of gravel at the intersection with the remainder being dirt. And he says Linky had gained landowner interest to extend the gravel further along 202nd. He was able to uh, convince the people on the other side of the road to uh, kick in their part. And so there's 100% of the land ownership is uh, in favor of this and They'll split the cost. It's a tenth of a mile. Linky says adding gravel would provide better all-weather access to an area used by both his family and others for multiple recreational uses. If we were able to gravel this and extend it from my shop down to our driveway into a field and our neighbor's driveway is directly across as well. Um, 
we've improved our pond down there and we spent a lot of recreation time down there. In fact, we put electricity and water down there and three of our families all go down there and our neighbors, they do the same across the road. Supervisor Chuck Morris, who was in favor of the petition, says he also hopes the county can continue to work on M56, encouraging Linky to attend the county's five-year plan meeting later this year. Sometime in, in March, we'll have a five-year plan, and if you get a chance, either join us online or come in person, because that that road's in terrible shape, we recognize that. And, It'll be discussed. The board was unanimous in their decision, and King states the landowners and the property will split the cost of the project. Community building and engagement continue to be a focus for Red Oak City officials. During its regular meeting Tuesday evening, the Red Oak City Council approved a resolution of support for the city's participation in the Orton Foundation's Community Heart and Soul program. Mayor Shauna Silvias told KMA News the program is a grassroots effort to give community members an organized opportunity to voice their opinions on the direction of their community. What things they would like to see in the community, you know, areas that they would like their city leaders to focus on that would improve the quality of their life. Maybe it's adding, you know, different playground equipment or it's continuing the trails or it might be programs that they would like to see, you know, uh, us support in some way or another. Sylvia says the 18 to 24 month program will be facilitated by Golden Hills Resource Conservation and Development Executive Director Michelle Watke Franks, who will also assist the city in applying for the $10,000 grant. Sylvia says the council discussed the program at its work session last week, unanimously feeling the program would be effective. However, she adds the only concern is coming up with a $10,000 match. We first have to get the grant. Um, after we get the grant, we'll also be working to raise the additional funds. Um, and this will be something that will have a very strong steering committee and then multiple committees out from that. Um, and so for the most part, it passed unanimously. Um, our only concern is making sure that we can raise the which I have no doubt we will be able to do. Silvius adds that the additional $10,000 will be set aside for any additional costs to facilitate the program. You know, any types of things that we might decide to hire a part-time person to help facilitate the, pro- the program, we may utilize those, those funds um, to host events, community-wide events, to bring people together for some supplies, um, for programming funding, if there's a facilitation that we might need to get outside of what Michelle provides. It's basically just to cover those additional costs. Sylvius adds the council also felt the program could help engage more community members. In other business Tuesday night, the council approved a resolution authorizing a funding agreement for Eastern Avenue reconstruction, a resolution setting the salary of the city cemetery superintendent, and a resolution adopting the rebranding for the city. Efforts to shore up Shenandoah's tree stock received a big financial boost. Members of the Shenandoah Tree Board recently received a $9,000 grant from the Arbor Day Foundation through its Emerald Ash Borer Recovery Program. Tree Board member Jamie Fowler says $8,000 from the grant will cover the purchase of 30 trees, with the remaining costs allocated to mulch, stakes, and other materials. Father told KMA News some of the trees were placed those victimized by the emerald ash borer, an insect that ravaged trees across the country. We do have emerald ash borer that has been found in Page County at Rapp Park, which means that if it's there, it's probably other places. The city hasn't identified it any other places in town, but it's kind of a slow-moving critter. 
and it will eventually devastate our ash population. Fowler says other trees will replace those destroyed by the December 15th derecho. She says a majority of the new trees will be placed in Macomb Park. We're not going to cut anything down, but we're just wanting to get little ones started. So we're going to plant about 17 trees at Macomb, but we're going to plant the remaining 13 trees and in public right-of-ways is what we plan to do with those. And that is where um, we will probably be able to replace a few of those trees that we lost on that December 15th storm. Fowler says it's important to plant new trees in the community for their aesthetic beauty, plus contributions to clean air and erosion control. Tree board members are planning a special planting ceremony at Macomb Park April 22nd in accordance with Earth Day. A ceremony time has not been set. Volunteers are welcome that day to assist in tree planting activities. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.